Welcome to The Nine Line, your news and information source for healthcare-related issues impacting Southern Nevada veterans, and a production of the VA Southern Nevada Healthcare System. And now, here's your hosts, John Archiquette and Joshua Gray. Hi, welcome to The Nine Line. I'm your host, Joshua Gray, and today we're joined by a special guest. You know, normally we talk to folks here inside the VA Southern Nevada Healthcare System about local issues impacting you, our veterans, here at a very local level. But today we have somebody who's come to visit us in Vegas. His name is John Bursler. He is the Chief Veterans Experience Officer for the entire Veterans Administration. Sir, thank you so much for joining us. Oh, thanks for having me. This is awesome. Yeah. So um, tell us a little bit. We do this with everybody when they come on our show. Uh, tell us a little bit about what uh, your background, what brought you to the VA, and, and kind of uh, what you do on, on a day-to-day basis. Yeah, thanks. And uh, it's a, it's been a great trip so far, so it's really nice to be back in Nevada and uh, meeting a lot of vets. And so I, jo- I joined the Marine Corps and uh, served in the Marine Corps uh, for eight years and uh, got deployed a couple of times. I got banged up a little bit, so I couldn't continue my career. Uh, like a lot of us, you know, choose to get out, but uh, really because it's uh, it's easier that way physically. <laughs> sure. And uh, um, instead of continuing my service in uniform, I was given the opportunity to go and work in the U.S. House of Representatives as a congressional staffer. And as like the only veteran that worked in my office, they were like, hey, you're doing all the VA stuff. I was like, oh, no, I want to do all the <laughs> DOD and like the, the Homeland Security and like the State Department stuff, right? This, uh, the sexy national security stuff. And they're like, oh, you're doing all the VA stuff. And that's where I really got to learn about about all the different incredible programs that VA has, but also the, the larger DOD apparatus and transition assistance programs and really identify a lot of the gaps in, uh, in, in policies and programs. And that was right ar- uh, around the time in 2007, 2008, when we were uh, designing and writing the post 9-11 GI Bill, Chapter 33. So I got, it was really neat to be a part of that and actually go out and interview reservists and National Guardsmen um, who had been deployed in support of Operation Iraqi Freedom and Enduring Freedom that were largely left out of the original bills, but then very, very much incorporated into that. So it was really cool to like get their voice into it and ensure that we were taking care of all of our brothers and sisters, regardless of the type of service that they were rendering. And so that kind of got me hooked on this whole ecosystem that I didn't really know existed. And I worked then for two mayors of Houston and Houston, Texas. So it's big city just like Las Vegas, but a lot of younger veterans coming there um, for jobs, for the housing market, you know, for uh, to raise their families. And uh, I got to really advise two different mayors on how we can really turn that like turn it into a customer acquisition funnel, for lack of a better term, and get them not only connected to VA care and benefits, but to other you know, health-related social needs in our community. And from there, I went into the private sector, uh, worked at uh, uh, on the boards of some veteran nonprofits, worked on some other social service organizations, um, but landed eventually in technology where I started using my human-centered design and user design training uh, to really build different technology applications for underserved populations. So not just veterans, but human trafficking victims and immigrants and refugees on how to address those health-related social needs and social drivers drivers of health. Uh, And um, that's eventually what kind of led me back into service here at VA. And so 
it's been an awesome three years uh, back back here in the federal service, um, but just an incredible experience being with VA in this position. So as the, the chief veterans experience officer, you're, you're kind of Mr. Customer Service. Right. Um, for folks who, who really don't understand what the entirety of the veterans experience uh, customer service that we do here at the VA entails, um, a little bit about what what you oversee. Uh, what, what do you oversee? Yeah, and that um, we oversee quite a bit as it relates to the veteran experience and not just veterans but their families caregivers and survivors of course and so we own all of the human centered design methodology at va so we have about 30 different uh, designers who used to be folks that worked in the field but now work at central office that actually go out and interview veterans and uh, do focus groups and in-depth interviews to really think about how might we design this program to better serve the veterans? So, like, you know, shocking, right, that the government's actually going out and, and asking their customers, who would have thought, like, we're actually doing that, and then redesigning the process instead of thinking from the organization-centered design, we're actually thinking from the veteran-centered uh, perspective. We also own, own, own all the measurement tools, so your V-signals, surveys, veteran signals, and employee signals now, e-signals, uh, which we have millions of different insights that we can relay and help shape into decision making uh, for senior leadership, not just at the central office, but here at the local level too. We also do a lot of the customer communications. So uh, actually our VA radio program, if you've heard of that, there's been some really great PSAs that we've put out. So, and uh, we've also relayed you know, podcasts. So we'd love to do more with Nine Line with you all uh, to make sure that more folks got, uh, got, got it in front of them um, to do not, more, not only more radio outreach PSAs, but email. So the Vet Resources e-newsletter goes out every Wednesday to 14 million subscribers nationally. We're able to do that based on state state specific sends as well. We're also able to text message customers from the enterprise level. Uh, so it's gotten very sophisticated, but we're using all of those customer design and survey insights to drive how we communicate with those individuals. We also run uh, a lot of the training for VA employees, which I think for all the VA employees that listen to the podcast, you know, you've probably taken our own the moment training or the we care rounding as a, a as a leader or um, the tour of duty training or other different customer experience um, programs that that really I think have helped us move from 55% trust to 79% trust in the last eight, eight years, um, and and several other pieces of of, of uh, as it relates to to training. So um, and finally, we we are the business sponsors for VA.gov. So we work directly with IT. Uh, to deliver a world-class digital experience has went through several iterations, and I think it's getting better and better every time to meet for a mixture of form and function, you know, using those insights to, to drive more clicks to the right things that veterans want to see, like messaging their provider or scheduling an appointment or checking the status of their claim, right? Um, and also the VA Health and Benefits mobile app. We, we work directly with IT to, to, to design uh, and uh, promote that uh, application. And then the MyVA, 1-800-MYVA-411 is kind of our tier one contact center along with VA hotline. We also steward that. So really any channel that we com communicate with veterans it's at lot. the enterprise <laughs> level, but also down here at the tactical level, at the facility level, is, is what we oversee. And our job is to better support the field, um, not just veterans and their families directly, but our employees that are out here. So uh, it's 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 a it's a it's a really awesome team, and we're almost 100% made up of, you know, folks that have worked 
at the medical center or regional office or cemetery level and now work at central office. So we have the voices of those employees that are impacting those decisions. What slice of that that I want to talk about and I think is something that has the most relevance to, to the veterans who might be listening is, is the surveys, right? Uh, there's V-Signals and SHEP and SAIL and, and all kinds of different surveys, acronyms. Um, that's a massive amount of data that you guys get. Uh, what do you guys do to ensure that all of that data is accurate? And, and how do you take all of that data where, from all the way across the country where you may have people that have different, different values, different outlooks, different uh, things they expect from the VA, and then, and then narrow that down into usable data and then turn that into execution? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. I think one um, recent example of taking just millions of insights from the survey platforms about because we've seen a, an increase in the usage of community care, you know, um, so when we can't meet the wait time or drive time standards within the direct care system, you know, the, the veteran is eligible to then seek care in the community. Um, for a lot of different things, but a lot of specialty care and, 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 and especially. And when we were looking at the operational metrics of the direct care search system versus the community care system and the increase in the demand, well, it's just an overall increase, right? Veterans at, at a um, at like never before, we're delivering more care and more benefits to more veterans than we ever have in VA's history, which is incredible and a testament to all of our uh, our efforts and all of our employees. But with that growth comes, you know, the fact that we do have to share that responsibility and make sure that 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 our community providers are are being referred to. But when the leadership looked at that, they you know they would say, hey, well, this tells me that veterans actually prefer. Um, care in the community versus direct care, when you look at the operational metrics, then you enter the, you know, you overlay the experience metrics and you see a completely different picture that veterans overwhelmingly prefer to be served in the VA system, you know, in the direct care system, whether that's your, your community-based outpatient clinics, your vet centers, your VA medical centers, of course. And then, you know, they want the option in many cases to be referred out to community care. So that I think that really helped the, the, the strategic level decision making and say, okay, yes, we, we need to make sure that all the right systems are in place to, uh, to ensure that the veteran has a, a wonderful experience in being referred out to the community, but also keep, you know, make sure that we're offering as many appointments in the direct care system as we can um, and, and then delivering that world-class experience because we know that veterans prefer to get their care in, in VA. Uh, so it was really neat to, to kind of rack and stack the operational metrics with the experience metrics really as, as co-equals um, and distilling that information down to where it was consumable using not only you know the one to five Likert scale data on the quantitative side, but also the qualitative comments and, and feedback, you know, pieces of feedback. I think that's uh, been really incredible. One thing that we do before we move off the topic of surveys, because before I don't want to forget that I think is life-saving in many, many cases, thousands of cases now, is when a veteran takes a survey and they leave a, a free text comment um, and they say, you know, something that um, a word that may trigger in the natural language processing that relates to either mental health crisis or housing crisis, that will automatically pick up based on how we've trained the model and then go, be sent automatically to the veteran's crisis line. And the veteran's crisis line will then reach out 
automatically to that individual and wrap their arms around them so that they can prevent that mental health or housing crisis. So whether that's the homeless programs uh, line uh, or the national homeless programs line or the veteran crisis line. And so using really leveraging different technologies, artificial intelligence, natural language processing, machine learning to to better serve the veteran and get 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 faster, more effective at our care and using those insights. So those are two kind of examples of like not only life saving, but like helping strategic and local level decision making as we're looking at our long range planning and what to expect. You mentioned um, you mentioned you know reaching out to veterans, but one of the things that you mentioned during a meeting with some of our employees earlier is also that you've been since the um, since the PACT Act and and some of the other other things that have come out lately that you've now instead of just reaching out to enrolled veterans, you've been reaching out to unenrolled veterans also. Um, as you've been reaching out to unenrolled veterans and with the PACT Act and kind of bringing that whole new tranche of of people into the VA. Um, how has that changed how people seem to be perceiving the VA? Uh, you know, when you bring a big a big group of folks into anything and start surveying them, that can move the needle quite significantly. So what have you seen from uh, bringing all of those folks in uh, and how that's changed the perception? Yeah, I think making sure that the unenrolled veterans are aware that they are eligible is first like the the biggest piece of it because i think many folks that have served in the military as i mentioned earlier with our employees they they really don't think of themselves as veterans in some cases when in fact they are and they are eligible for the benefits and care that they have earned so rightly earned with their service in the military and so now asking that question is that are you a veteran but have you served in the military that's that's i think the important question because you are eligible for the care and benefits that that we're providing and so getting uh getting our arms wrapped around a lot of the data that's available based on their Department of Defense records, we're now able to reach out to these individuals who haven't yet considered VA for filing a claim or applying for a home loan or um, applying for using their education benefits or uh, enrolling in VA healthcare. We've seen a massive, massive response, like millions of claims filed. Uh, We're now having like days where we're we're adjudicating 11,000 claims a day, which is, you know, first of first ever in VA history. Um, But more importantly, I think as it relates to health outcomes and addressing the sometimes difficult uh, conditions that we come back with, especially due to the toxins that we're exposed to overseas, uh, we were a- we've been able to enroll a record amount of, of uh, new new patients in VA. For example, we had a deadline. One of the deadlines imposed by the PACT Act legislation uh, was a, uh, the t- September 30th deadline, so right before the end of the fiscal year in 2023, crossing over into 2024, to make sure that we we were reaching as many folks that needed to enroll in VA healthcare. Um, that were eligible based on PACT Act. It's kind of like a fast track. And we were able to send out messaging, both text message, email, letters, so multi-channel environment, um, stating that you are eligible for VA healthcare based on your service these years in this location. And of the 450,000 people that we reached out to, 45,000 people actually enrolled. So a 10% return on investment, which I think is pretty remarkable and something that VA hasn't done, especially by, by communicating directly with those, those individuals who are not enrolled. So if folks don't know, the total veteran population in the United States is 18, roughly 18 million veterans. VA only serves about 
eight and a half, nine million of those who are enro either enrolled in the healthcare system or receiving benefits of some kind. And, and so how might we reach as many of those other nine million veterans that we are, are, are poised to serve? And as Secretary McDonough you know, always puts, is like, how do we reach all veterans and make sure that we as VA are fitting into their lives instead of them trying to figure out and fit into VA? Um, and so that's what customer experience really is all about. So what are some of the, the ways you're trying to reach out to those folks? I know, you know, a, a lot of those folks, I'm just going to guess, are probably 9-11 veterans, OEF, o OIF, OEF. Um, and, and the way those folks communicate is vastly different from the way that we would have to communicate from what you would think of as your traditional veteran. Um, you know, they're very connected on social media. It's very influencer heavy. But I also know that, you know, working for the VA that, you know, there's not always a, a lot of um, enthusiasm for social media and things like that. So how do you kind of bridge that gap between doing it, quote unquote, the VA way and the, the big government way and then meeting people with how they communicate on, on a day-to-day -day basis in in 2024 yeah yeah that uh so we are we host these events regionally called veteran experience action centers we're actually hosting one in nevada uh in the week of february 20th i forget the, what the monday is that week but the february 20th to 22nd i believe is when we're hosting one here locally and what that does is uh, the way i explain it is like a basically a three-day enrollment sprint where we have the Veterans Benefits Administration, the Veterans Health Administration, the National Cemetery Administration, and the Board of Veterans Appeals all on standby to basically answer any questions and sort out any issues you have that day. So you, the veter we will proactively outreach to the, fir the first group that we're, uh, that we're targeting are veterans who, if uh, we, so uh, when we leave, tra the, when you transition from military to civilian life, the VA Solid Start program, which was instituted by Congress in 2019, makes three phone calls over the course of that, that life cycle. So that right when you get out in the first, every, basically every 90 days after that, and in, in order to ensure that we're following up and getting you connected to VA care and benefits that you have earned, there's a 70% contact rate within VA Solid Start which means we have a 30% delta of folks that we're not reaching. So the, the primary group that we're reaching out to for these Veteran Experience Action Centers, for them to sign up for appointments to connect with VBA, VHA, NCA, and the board, are that 30% delta population. Um, the second group is the rest of that 70% transitioning service members and their families. And then uh, the third, ter the tertiary group is really focused on unenrolled veterans. So we're using that same individual outreach model that we did in the PACT Act of that, that, that grouping of roughly 9 million veterans that are not enrolled in VA and then geo-targeting to them to Nevada and saying, hey, you're eligible for VA care and benefits. Sign up for this appointment time at this date and time and VA will actually call you and then you can connect in via like uh, a, 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 an automated system to VBA, VHA, NCA, and talk to somebody who can make a decision on your claim or your appeal, et cetera. So it's a, and the, the customer experience scores we get from those events are incredible. So um, back to how we're communicating in your question, uh, how we're reaching these folks is like innovative events on a regional basis, like the Veteran Experience Action Centers or VX. Uh, we're also thinking about how to leverage different channels, so social media being one, but text message another, mobile app uh, push notifications as, a, as another, 
to as far upstream as we can. So those folks that are in the military right now that are finishing their A school or their training school, we're now working with the six branch, the six service branches to proactively reach out to them because we know who they are and then get them to enroll into a personalized checklist system so that we'll send pushes along their journey. So when they're eligible to start the, their TAP program, either 12 months prior to separation or 24 months prior to retirement, and then when they're able to file their benefits delivery at discharge claim, when they're able to start then in engaging with other VA programs, that's 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 how we acquire these customers more proactively, especially those Gen Z and millennial customers, to your point, like don't interact in the same ways in the same channels, but we are better trying to understand and design for those customers now. Right now, it, you know, I, I saw a, a, t a tweet on, uh, oddly enough, um, a, a while back that, uh, and, and it had to do with presidential polling, right, political polling, uh, and how it doesn't accurately capture younger folks. And, and the tweet basically said that younger folks, uh, you know, millennials would rather pick up a live grenade than answer a phone call from a number they don't recognize, right? So, you know, it's very, very important to make sure that you guys are meeting people where they, where they are. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, better understanding those channels and how to interact with veterans is, is part of that human centered design methodology. Um, as I mentioned, you know, you know, at our, as you alluded to earlier, if we look at longitudinally our trust metrics, which is basically our net promoter score for VA, because if we don't, if we, if we, if we, you know, if veterans don't trust us to deliver the benefits and care that they have earned, then why would they come to us for the benefits and care that they have earned? So trust is our North Star. So if you look at our trust data over the last eight years, veterans over 50 years of age, 60 years of age, and especially 70 years of age, trust VA in the 80th or 90th percentile, which is incredible. Veterans under 40 and especially under 30, that those those percentage points drop by 15 or 20 points, respectively. So how might we better design a VA where those individuals feel, you know, welcome, but also can self-serve navigate in, in self-service because they're not going to pick up the phone, but they will engage on a digital or mobile experience or in a chat bot uh, experience that we can deliver. So so just making sure that we're, we're continuing to iterate and innovate over time to meet the needs of those customers. You mentioned that that kind of that that de the decline in kind of the trust numbers. Um, not going to ask you to speculate too wildly, but what in your research and in, in the data that you've gotten back, what causes that? Yeah, and um, there, there's a lot of different things. I think uh, we have a lot. The sample population is much smaller for younger veterans. Like they're they're just not as willing to take a survey because we primarily deployed them via email. So that's a dying channel, right, for the, for those populations. It would be better if we were sending pushes via their mobile app or text messages because we know that you know they're much more likely to respond in those uh, uh, those modalities. So we're we're looking into to how we might do that. I think what you all have done here in Southern Nevada and especially the Las Vegas market is really uh, embrace the younger veteran population that's moving here or transitioning from the military here in droves and ensuring that they have a world-class experience by you know solving for the the way that we measure customer experience which is trust ease, effectiveness, and emotion. So ease, 
Was it easy for me to park at the, at the facility? Was it easy for me to navigate into the hospital or into the clinic and then get to the clinic where I need to get to? Well, after seeing the VA wayfinding app today, I can not only mark in the parking lot where my car is parked so I can find it again, which I've gotten lost in the VA parking lot as a patient before, trying to get back to my car and it's frustrating, right? Because you've been in there all day. So now, now not, not only are y'all solving for that, but then now you can navigate directly to the clinic and then back to your car when, when the, the appointment or the experience is over, uh, so that so ease uh, is is solved right for for the you know uh, for that population effectiveness. Do I understand what my provider is telling me? Do I understand you know um, what my next steps are in, in my care or my benefits journey? You have a benefits office here, so you can come in and file a claim. The, a lot of the providers here seem to be uh, like roughly around the same age too. So like that's there's a lot of that kind of peer to peer. Uh, mentality. Uh, uh, so, and then emotion, of course, do I feel respected in that encounter? And based on my cursory observation just today, I mean, everyone is mission oriented at this, this medical center in this system. Uh, and, and so much so that, you know, they're showing respect and, and, and great admiration for the veterans that they serve. So trust, ease, effectiveness, and emotion. I feel like if we can take a, a page out of Las Vegas and Southern Nevada's healthcare systems uh, playbook. I mean, that's what we should use for a lot of the other markets where they have a mass number of Gen Z and millennial veterans like Phoenix or Los Angeles or Houston, Dallas, you know, Miami, Atlanta. You know, we can we can really use this stuff and make sure that we we're delivering a world class experience. And, and all of those places, you know, as you look at the the hundred plus healthcare systems in, under the VA across the country, everybody has their own unique challenges, whether it's old infrastructure or you've got a very distributed uh, system or anything like that. So uh, when you take all of that information, you get all of that information, how do you, I guess, take all of those those factors out of the equation to try, try and figure out what the, the crux of problems are? I think that's where our measurement tools really help us better understand the pain points because they may differ dramatically like you said from facility to facility where ease may not be as big of an issue here it certainly is for folks that are in other systems where they have to park further away and they don't have a wayfinding application or navigation tool right um effectiveness you know you may be in, a, in an area that doesn't have as much military or veteran cultural competency. And so your providers aren't as well aware of the, um, the different nuances of the, the military service and what veterans need. And, 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 and I think that when you have not only when you, when you look at the younger veterans trusting VA a little bit less than their older counterparts and, and knowing that we have to solve for that and you have a younger population in general, then you're, you're naturally going to start at a, a lower score, but that's only something that you can work up from. So I've been in a lot of different facilities and I've, I've visited with a lot of different employees and a lot of different veterans across the country, like a lot of our senior leaders have. And it does make a difference when you're working in a, in a brand new or relatively brand new facility versus one that's 100 years old that's been stacked and built up and constructed upon over the many decades. And it makes it difficult to, to get around. And, you know, the providers don't feel like their experience is, is, is so. But th these are things that we're solving for and that we have planned uh, renovations for in terms of the, the physical infrastructure. And 
Um, there's there, so that's always a big topic of conversation is like how might we better upgrade our facilities to not only be, meet the, the needs of our veterans, but meet the needs of our clinicians and our staff that, that really, um, you know, need to have a world-class experience themselves so that they can in turn deliver that world-class experience to our veterans. Yeah, I know, I know we're very, very lucky here in that our, our facility, we just celebrated the 10-year anniversary of, of this, this facility opening. And I know there's some VAs out there where the buildings they're in are old Army garrison buildings from World War II, you yeah. know, or, or they're even older than that. So um, our, our director here, Mr. Karen, is very, very fond of saying, if you've seen one VA, you've seen one VA. Like, yeah. you know, so, um, yeah, I know that's, that's got to be a challenge trying to get all of that stuff done. But um, we've got to take a quick break. And after the break, we're going to talk a little bit about your visit here specifically to Las Vegas. We'll be right back. You're listening to The Nine Line, a production of the VA Southern Nevada Healthcare System. We'll be back with more right after this. Taking pictures? No, I'm asking questions. Like what? Hey, Bobo, do flowers have best friends? I'm sorry. I'm afraid I don't know that. Hey, follow me. I want to show you something. Look, flowers do have best friends. Whoa. Some answers can only be found in nature. Discover the unsearchable. Visit discovertheforest.org to find a trail near you. Brought to you by the United States Forest Service and the Ad Council. Uh Uh-oh, Brad's buzzed. Oh, yeah? Yeah, he's starting with the woots. (laughs) And now a speech. I just want to say that friendship is about heart. Heart and brain. Who's with me? Good thing is, he knows when he's buzzed. And my brain is saying, when it's time to go home, somebody call me a ride. Love that guy. Me too. Know your buzzed warning signs? Call for a ride when it's time to go home. Buzz driving is drunk driving. A message from NHTSA and the Ad Council. Hi, I'm Mike Richmond of the U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs with this message for veterans. If you're a veteran having thoughts of suicide or know of a veteran at risk for taking their own life, call the new Veterans Crisis Line number, 988, then press 1. It's available 24-7. This shorter, three-digit number provides an easier-to-remember way to access the Veterans Crisis Line, which links to over 500 VA suicide prevention coordinators. Suicide prevention is VA's top clinical priority, and in the words of VA Secretary Dennis McDonough, during a crisis, every second counts. This new number, he says, makes it easier for veterans and those who care about them to reach life-saving support without having to be enrolled in VA benefits or health care. For more information, go to VeteransCrisisLine.net. That's VeteransCrisisLine.net. I'm Mike Richmond. Welcome back to The Nine Line, Southern Nevada's source for veteran-related healthcare news and information. Here's your hosts, John Archiquette and Joshua Gray. Welcome back to The Nine Line. I'm your host, Joshua Gray, joined by Mr. John Bursler. He is the Chief Veterans Experience Officer for the Veterans Administration. So in, in our first segment, sir, we talked a little bit about uh, some, some big picture VA issues, but uh, you've had the chance to spend some time on the ground here in Las Vegas. Um, you, you met with some folks at the, um, at the Vet Center, and then you took a tour of our building here today, saw some of our stuff, and you alluded to some of that stuff in, in our first segment. Um, I, I just want to get your, your general impression of, of Las Vegas and what we're doing in here as far as uh, veterans experience and customer experience and and trying to give a pleasing experience to our veterans 
Yeah, well, first off, you know, I thought it was really neat that y'all have like a per, like a rotating food truck series that's now has its own stall in the Patriot Cafe. Uh, or I'm sorry, the the uh, the canteen, I guess, yeah. right? So yeah, it's Patriot Cafe. Patriot Cafe, yeah. okay. Yeah, and yeah. and, uh, and the Vietnamese food, or I'm sorry, the the Filipino food was lights out. Like uh, I, I'm still really full. Uh, so um, uh, that was that was a pretty uh, awesome experience. The the first you know major insight I think when I was sitting in the daily stand up with the executive leadership team here at the Southern Nevada VA Medical Center was one of the insights from a V-Signal survey, so a veteran signal survey that, uh, that that you all use. One of the comments that they pulled out it's from a veteran that had a great experience, of course, saying that he moved here because he heard the care and he heard the facility was so, was, was so fundamentally positive. So um, that, to me, is – and that's – apparently that, that, that comment comes up a lot. Uh, which is pretty interesting because so many people are moving here, and now I see why. The not only is the facility stunning, um, but the way that veterans experience it themselves in terms of not only the wayfinding application and tool, the parking, um, the ease of of all of that, but also the veteran resource center, um, the veteran welcome center is is unique. The fact that you can go in there and have general questions answered and make sure you get to the right place you need to go and uh, get help from the right folks on basic administrative things is is very unique and, and important. And ne- right next door, you can file your claim. You can work with the Veterans Service Organization. You can talk to the Veterans Benefits Administration, public contact representatives. To me, that's like a one VA experience. You know, all you're missing is a is a, is a cemetery on campus, and then you'd have you'd have a ver- everything right. So, um, especially during PACDAC, where we saw this like massive communications campaign that were reaching all these unenrolled or what we call like untethered veterans, right? They would show up to VA medical centers and want to file their claim for, you know, toxic exposure. And they've realized you couldn't file a claim there. And the regional offices, the benefits offices weren't co-located in some of these areas. So so the, the fact that there's like that jointness, that one VA, because veterans shouldn't know that there are three different administrations that they should only know that it's just VA. And so um, that was pretty important. I also got to sit with about 20 veterans last night at the the vet center over on the west side of Las Vegas and um, really talked to them about their experiences. And it was a really good mixture of ages and and genders and uh, race and ethnicities. And I thought it was um, very, it's always very humbling to hear their individual experiences and things that we can do to improve, you know, specifically identifying pain points in their own individual journeys or the journeys of those whom they represent, because there's a big peer support network that they've built through the vet center and that you all have built here in the community. Um, And then there's also really positive insights that we heard from several of the veterans that really make, make the job worth, like really worth doing. Right. And, And I think that we need to hear as many of of, uh, of both sets, you know, of, of concerns and compliments uh, as we can to, um, to, to keep everything moving. So I think we, I have some takeaways from the employee town hall that we had earlier today, um, particularly around the way that we have to measure customer experience in a couple of different ways, right? And, and benchmark with some of the platforms that I don't manage. So, you know, I'm happy to help on that. And we got to fix the phones, right? I mean, that's like one of the biggest insights I hear other than, you know, travel benefits or, or scheduling an appointment or, you know, uh, an issue with their community care 
uh, uh, appointment scheduling is is the phones and and being able to answer someone you know during the the day or not not being able to answer someone during the day um, uh, because they're trying to call you for an appointment or uh, trying to call back and get an appointment right I mean so that's a that's and being disconnected so um, so those those are some things that I'm taking back with us to to make sure and uh, address but you know overall I've uh, I've, I've, I was telling the veteran experience office team here, um, you know, Chuck and team that this has been one of the, the best visits I've had because there's been so much, there is so much attention to detail and there is some, there's such an investment in the customer experience and the patient experience because of the welcome center, because of the VBA presence, because of the VSO presence, because of the wayfinding tool and because of the general orientation um, of the staff, which is, of course, reflected in the overwhelmingly positive 91% trust, you know, that you all have. So th- those are those are a few high-level insights that has been that will stick with me for a while. Sure. So when you take that back to D.C. and you have all of these data points, how do you then integrate that into the rest of the VA and go, hey, this is what Vegas does, you know, um, we need to do that. And then as, as kind of a, a second part of that, uh, how do you kind of fight the recency bias? You know, you just came to Vegas and saw a bunch of cool stuff, but next week you might be in Spokane, Washington, and they're doing cool stuff, and it's it's cool stuff all the time. How do you how do you take that and 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 make those improvements across the entire enterprise when you're seeing something different and neat and cool every couple of weeks? Yeah, well, I and I don't get to see neat and cool every time, right? So I've I've, <laughs> I've been traveling a lot this new year already, and um, not every visit has been an incredibly positive one and, and that's okay because there are different things going on in different markets and different experiences. So, uh, I think all of that filters up into how the decision-making process is better informed. For example, to answer your first, you know, your first bit part of your question is how do we take this back and then, and then use it as a model to, to share out with other facilities, you know, we, especially in our governance process within the department where we have the opportunity to present in a few weeks to the deputy secretary on, you know, this, this kind of one VA type of experience and what that really looks like and how we deploy similar models or like-minded models across the system so that you don't, if you, if you are that veteran that's looking to file your claim and you walk into a hospital it's the no wrong door approach, right? You can actually file your claim there. And so taking lessons from Phoenix, taking lessons from Las Vegas, taking lessons from New Orleans, from Philadelphia, where I've seen that actually in action, and then developing a malleable model for medical centers of all shapes and sizes and infrastructure challenges or not, um, can implement. I think that that can that can definitely help. Uh, so So that'll be one next step i think um we're always getting better at how we communicate uh with with our customers and i think there's been some good lessons learned here and and then things that we can include into that too well sir we are about out of time for this episode i want to thank you for joining us but before we get out of here i want to give you the floor the the floor is yours if you've got any message you'd like to uh, pass on to our listeners uh, you know, we're always available at 1-800-MY-VA-411, and that's is that's the Tier 1 contact center that the Veterans Experience Office stewards. Uh, so give us a call. Push 9 if you want to reach the VA hotline staff who are especially trained, and they can handle your compliments, your concerns, your recommendations, and then get that to the facility or facilities that you seek care and benefits at. 
uh, and uh, always uh, take your surveys. You know, that's always my number one message. That's that's how that's the main way we listen and we want to hear your feedback. And that's going to wrap it up for this episode of the Nine Line. I've been joined by Mr. John Bursler. He is the Chief Veterans Experience Officer for the Veterans Administration. Thank you all for listening. We hope you found this uh, an informative listen as we get a special guest from our our national level offices in here. Thanks for listening to the Nine Line, and we'll see you in two weeks. You've been listening to the Nine Line, a production of the VA Southern Nevada Healthcare System. For more information about what the VA is doing for Nevada's veterans, check out our official webpage at www.lasvegas.va.gov or follow us on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash lasvegasva. Thanks for listening.